2: Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
3: If you have a family relying on your income, you need life insurance. But finding the best quote shouldn't take a lifetime. That's where Policy Genius comes in. In minutes, Policy Genius could save you 50% or more simply by comparing quotes from America's top insurers. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team handles all the paperwork and red tape. To save on life insurance and get protection for you and your family, head to policygenius.com today.
0: For the ones standing guard, for the eagle eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facility safe and your people safer call dot slash safety, or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done.
4: All right. Film study is back. It is the know your foe episode. So this is where we dig really deep into this upcoming game this weekend as the Ravens play the Chiefs on Sunday at one o'clock. Ken Musick, how are you doing? Life's good, Josh. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I am a officially a Floridian now, as I they cut up my Maryland driver's license and gave me a Florida <laughs> one today. <laughs> oh, my uh, little boy's all grown
3: up. Fantastic. It, it,
4: it's a little weird. I've never had a, uh, never lived anywhere else, and now it's it's official. I guess. There so, but we're if not you, going to talk. You're
3: in a zero income tax state. I should be jealous already.
4: Yeah, any type of business stuff, uh, podcast companies, it's all going to be based on this home. Section 336 and all is all going to be based in Florida, not Maryland, for that reason. Very good. Um, all right, so, but we're not here to talk about Florida. We got to look at the Chiefs. I know there's a lot of people nervous with uh, us going to Kansas City, a tough place to play. So we brought in uh, someone who knows the Chiefs way better than all of us. Uh, we'll fight. Who you can follow on Twitter at Big Twelve FanWill, where he goes on there and breaks down a lot of the Chiefs play and a whole lot more. Will, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Um all right, so this Sunday's a big game for I believe it's the only isn't it the only matchup of two two and teams this Sunday?
5: Hmm, I believe I so, know, yes.
4: Right. So uh and it's a team where there's both teams have went through a lot of change in this offseason uh, and both have really big expectations and the fan base expects a lot out of them. So um, let's really get into the Chiefs and what we need to ex- expect this season. Kevin, you want to take it from here? I'll, I'll be happy to. So c- the two hottest young quarterbacks in the game as of this exact moment in
3: time, Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, Pat Mahomes was there before the season started. Certainly the consensus favorite to be the MVP of the entire league. Lamar Jackson has jumped into that spot now, not the MVP spot, but the second hottest young quarterback spot with his play these first two weeks and seven to no interceptions, the great quarterback rating, uh, everything going right for the Ravens with a couple of lesser opponents they've beaten. Uh, similarly Kansas city has beaten a couple of opponents that are not at the top of the league, but, are certainly very solid wins in both cases. So, Will, how do you evaluate what's gone on so far with the Chiefs this season?
5: Well, the Chiefs this season, I would like to think, picked up where they left off at the end of last year, you know, that tragic ending of the AFC Championship game to the Patriots. But when it came down to Jacksonville Week 1, they early on they looked like themselves again. Uh, the offense was continuing to play the, to the high standard we'd gotten accustomed to, at the pretty much midway point of of, mid, of last season and Patrick Mahomes is 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 Patrick Mahomes. I think we all kind of know what that means now, but to be more specific, it's he makes a lot of big plays when he can and he's just always moving around, always looking. He always knows somewhere to get the ball. Now with the loss of Tyreek Hill, that that hurt. There's a lot of changes going on in that offense right now with that loss. But the offense seems to be doing exactly what it was doing last year. Now, when it comes to the defense, there's still a lot of issues there, especially in the secondary. Um, their ranking is a lot better this so far this year. Um, it's only been two games though, and uh, it's just they're not looking as good as people want them to be. But they're not as bad as they are were last year. But that is, you know, that's to come when you completely change your your defensive schemes from the from a uh,
3: Sutton to Spagnuolo all right well let's let's talk about the offense first for for one thing I know the the listeners want to hear about that high octane offense and and what makes it so deep and scary particularly at the receiving positions so uh let's start with Mahomes again what have you noticed from him this season maybe things that are different areas of growth what other teams are having to deal with that they didn't before
5: So, but the early part of the Jags game uh, week one, he looked very much like he did last season where he was going to scramble around a lot. He was going to make quick decision throws. Uh, He had a no look pass. Uh, He overthrew Travis Kelsey. He was wide open in the end zone. Not a lot of chiefs fans were happy about that decision, but he he looked like he was going to do a lot of the same things. Um, First half, he injures his ankle. He sprains his ankle in the red zone going into the end zone So we haven't seen a lot of his quick feet running around scrambling like a madman style so far this year. He's, he's staying in the pocket. He's having to read defenses in a solitary location. Uh, And I think that's, that's helping him grow as a quarterback. He's, he's not playing like he's in cliff Kingsbury's Texas tech offense anymore, where he's got big 12 defenses flying around at him at all different angles. He's having to actually sit in the pocket and read. And then if he needs to make a quick Uh, cut forward he can do it but he's not going out of his way to run around and have to do something like make a left-handed throw
3: he does only once this year run the ball he had a kneel not counting that but he's only once that was in week one against the Jags run the ball for two yards so Patrick Mahomes my recollection is in 2018 he was running for a few first downs
5: oh yeah running for a few first downs he has that he had that touchdown against Denver where he ran it in dusted himself and threw off threw up the uh the flex as he likes to do when he celebrates uh but yeah we're not seeing that this year he's playing it really safe and making sure he doesn't put himself in harm's way and it's a lot of that has to do though with the ankle injury that he's I think he's it's still lingering you could tell that in uh in Oakland last week
3: all right all right and as a passer He's got some additional weapons uh, uh, this year, but Travis Kelsey, of course, the biggest weapon of all, is still there. Uh, Demarcus Williams. Sorry, do I have that right? Demarcus Robinson, right? Demarcus Robinson, yes. Yeah. Uh, has, I believe, the highest maybe yards per catch, but also yards per target in the entire NFL this year, which is a, obviously a category that I follow kind of closely over. Right around 20 yards or 21 yards per target, he's he's been thrown to, which is incredible when you think about it, that... 20 yards per reception is very rare. Even early in the season, having twenty yards per target is is remarkable.
5: Yeah, he's uh, he's sitting at twenty four point six right now, which that is it's insane how how high of a number that is just at week two. Um, but that a lot of that comes from that Tyreek Hill injury and Andy Reid having to change things and find mm-hmm. a new go to option.
3: Normally, a guy who has that kind of yards per reception total though doesn't catch seven of eight balls thrown his way. He catches that's seven very, of fourteen that's very or something. True. So, so that's very odd, and and uh, and that's what I think really makes that so special. Uh, let's go through the other kind of receivers one at a time. Talk through them. Take your time on this. We we uh, aren't pressured by things. We like to do these in about an hour, but you know we we go longer when we want to.
5: Okay. Well, um, just a quick go back to DeMarcus Robinson. He's, he's got speed, and he's one. he he's got that height. Uh, but he, his notable thing about him is he can make a lot of quick cuts that other guys in that wide receiver core can't do. I think the only person in that core that can do what he does is Tyreek Hill just because of the the, the speed and agility he has. Uh, Gardy kind of covered a lot of him, though, so I'll move on to Sammy Watkins.
3: You see, DeMarcus lines up mostly on the outside, mostly at the slot.
5: Uh, right now, he's most he's been mostly lining up on the outside. Uh, they have been tinkering with him in the slot a little bit, but right now they've been putting uh, Sammy Watkins and then Michael Hardman in the slot more. At least they did in Oakland during uh, during the Jags game. They had to, they they weren't really sure where they were going to put him. They were still trying to figure that out with with Hill being out. Uh, but Watkins, you know, he's he runs a four four three. Uh, he's really quick. They're, all these guys are quick. That's the mm-hmm. that's the main thing about this, this wide receiver group is just how fast they are. Uh, Watkins has been really quick off the line this year. He's looking a lot like he did a, a, about three years ago. He's he's looking fresh. He's he's been you know he's been played with injury over the last few years, and that's really hurt him. But he's looking a lot better and a lot fresh, a lot healthier. Is I guess the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. You know what you saw what he did in in Jacksonville, and we didn't get that in Oakland. We we didn't see the same thing but that's because other people decided to show up. That being, uh, Demarcus Robinson. Um, the third guy, the, the wide receiver three on this team right now is, uh, Meikle Hardman. Meikle Hardman is, you know, first round pick out of Georgia. Uh, he's small like Tyreek is. I think Tyreek's about five, nine, uh, Meikle's five ten. He runs a four, three, three, uh, which is not far off of what Tyreek Hill runs. Um, when he was drafted, a lot of people in in our uh, fan base were, were saying, you know, this is the guy that we drafted just in case the Tyreek Hill situation goes really bad.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: And he was he's pretty much that's what he is. He's here to be here just in case something goes wrong with Tyreek. And what do you know? It did. So last week, he, he's getting into the groove of things. And I don't want to don't want to call him Tyreek, too, yet. It, we're not there yet. But there were some moments where you could just see it. You could see his speed is going to be something you really have to worry about in the same capacity as Tyreek Hill. It's just right now he's not as experienced. But over the offseason, uh, Meikle and, and Patrick Mahomes worked out a lot when, when Tyreek could not be at the facility. And you could see that. You can see there's a, there's a good connection between those two when it comes to the abilities that Mikkel Hardman has. That being said, go
3: ahead. I'm sorry. I just want to say it's always good for a young receiver to take that opportunity once given to to go play catch with the the, with a quarterback. You really want to do that? Work out, catch whatever. I could I cannot possibly understand even if you dislike the guy personally, not attempting to make that connection at that level. It's just it's a huge mistake. I mean, hey, football players are young men. Young men make mistakes. That's it's it's a normal thing in life. But. uh, That's something I really – I just – hopefully people will get the right coaching from their agent at least to do that right.
5: Oh, yeah, and especially in Hardman's situation, it's like if I was his agent, you got to be like, look, we don't know what's happening with Tyreek. They drafted you because of that. You need to go work out with Patrick Mahomes. You need to go work out with the MVP all summer. You guys need to be on one just in case you get that opportunity. And here we are. He does have that opportunity now, and he's got a chance to become – uh, a big weapon, as, as we we really don't know when Tyreek's coming back. Yeah,
3: uh, it, one of the, there's a couple of things about this receiving core that are very intriguing. One is obviously they, they they all have speed. One of the things that goes with speed and has not really worked out until these last couple of games, I'll say, is running your route after your route. So you you, you get to the end of the route, and a quarterback like Mahomes and also like Jackson now. Uh, has a lot of escapability, a lot of ability to extend plays, and you want to know what you can do to find space that's probably of a non-traditional manner. Because Mahomes can end up on the right side of the field, as, as often you do at the end of an extended play. And then there there's the rule set that will go with three guys on the sideline at that point. But the key to me is really, where else on the field can you be? Because all of the defenders understand those rules very well as well. And you really need to try and find somewhere else to find space on that field, and let your quarterback work his magic, even if that is breaking the golden rule of throwing back across his body,
5: uh, you know, risking the interception. Yeah, and, and that's something that this core had to learn pretty quick last season, and they got really good at it, you know, like you said, mid the middle and late of the year. Um, but the, the problem, I've not really, it's not really a problem, but there's something I've noticed. Is that the defenses are figuring that out too, and they realize that they have to they have to stay on their toes and make sure that they follow these guys as much as they can. Because if one guy has a an inch and a half of space ahead of him, Pat's going to hit him. He's going to try his best to do it, and he might not always do it. He might overthrow him, but that that window, if it's small or if it's large, he's going to try his best to get it there. And he did it against the Raiders. He fit he fit a ball into to, to Hardman. There was maybe an inch of space between those two two uh, corners and he just dropped it in his lap and he went down and he got it and the play was ultimately called back and it was third and 20 (laughs) after that and then he threw a touchdown pass but you know that's another thing you just got to worry about is just you you can't give him a a little bit of space and and people are just running around like madmen half the time when when pat gets on his horse and starts running around
3: one one of the things in listening to the Ravens games down the stretch, we got Tony Romo a lot as the broadcast guy. He did the game at Kansas City, and what you're describing happening at the end of the play, the fourth and nine play, where Tyreek Hill was effectively covered by Mosley, which is no coverage at all for Hill. Mosley's fine cover linebacker, but he's but he but he wasn't the guy for Hill, and you know it just it could not sustain itself. But he made the point that. You really need to run more cover zero in that situation. Or maybe a cover one and, and and but anyway, more assets into the pass rush against a quarterback like Mahomes to at least force him to throw the ball quickly when he might be a little uncomfortable, as opposed to having all day to let his receivers run like crazy until they find open space.
5: Yeah. No, it- it's just it's it's just a really interesting thing that you keep seeing more and more and as these more athletic quarterbacks keep coming out. I mean, for example, Lamar Jackson has become that type of guy, especially these last two games too. I mean I, I'll be honest, I haven't had a chance to watch the Ravens as much as I'd like. I mean, i I have Lamar Jackson as my fantasy quarterback, so I gotta I gotta keep check in as much as I can, but you know, the Chiefs are on, the Chiefs are on. so,
3: <laughs> right, sure, I understand that. he's he's certainly been dropping in dimes. and if you're like me, you, know, I, you don't get to watch a lot of the rest of the league because then you're breaking down film on the Chiefs probably after the Chiefs are off, right? Oh yeah,
5: and I'm just constantly okay. making sure I know exactly what we're going to do, and it it sucks, it really does at times. When you, especially when you love the game as much as, mm-hmm. as guys like us do, and uh, but when you love your team even more, you know, it just it makes it even more. Worthwhile.
3: All right outstanding. So let's move on a little bit. I mean, the wide receiver corps, core being what it is, is is terrific. How about Travis Kelsey? Has anything changed this year? I mean, obviously, he's getting a little older. He's going to be 30 in a, what, a couple of
5: weeks now, right? Uh, yeah, I believe it's in the next few weeks. If it's next month, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Uh, well, we saw last year, um, Travis Kelsey slowed down. A bit later on in the year And no one really could seem to figure out Why Um It was later discovered that he'd been injured He'd hurt something in his ankle Or in his foot And he, he had a walking boot on for a lot of the summer Um And we're kind of seeing a lingering Effect from him Um he only has He has 195 yards receiving this year So far Which is you know that's it's uh he's second to Sammy Watkins. Mm-hmm. But that's the type of guy he is. I mean, you just get him the ball and, and over the middle and he's pretty much gonna run it for maybe another fifteen. He can pretty consecutively do that and pretty consistently do that. Um just because there's a lot, a lot of not a lot of linebackers right now that can, can stay with him. He's got
4: mm-hmm. he's
5: kinda got freaky speed for his size. Um That, that is the that... talk
3: in Baltimore this week is how do you cover Travis Kelsey, whether it's put it, put one of two safeties in his face, whether that was Tony Jefferson or potentially Anthony Levine, who did a really good job in the last drive of the game against Njoku that that sealed the AFC North for the Ravens. I want to make one point about Kelsey, though, and then I, I, I sorry to cut you off, but easier to do two points right here. Kelsey, before the opener against Jacksonville, when he had only three catches for 88, had 15 consecutive games of five or more catches. Which is just, I've, I've never heard of that from a tight end. I'm sure it, it might have happened before, but you know he had 103 catches last year. Uh, that's astounding to me that, that uh, it's, it was since the opener of 2018, when the Chargers held him to one catch for six yards, he had at least five in every single game the remainder of 2018.
5: And see, and, and that's part of where the coverage issue come. There's is an example of you can't you can't find a lot of linebackers to cover him. And, and mm-hmm. the, what a lot of teams end up trying to do is they have a an outside linebacker stay on him early and then they'll just play zone and combo off and then bring a bring a safety up to try to finish the job. And a lot of teams have to double him. Um he can just he, – he opens a lot of holes in coverage too. So when you double him up, you just, then suddenly it's Sammy Watkins is open or Robinson's open or, in a lot of cases, last season Tyreek suddenly wide open, which is what a lot of teams tried to reduce at, late down the stretch. But that's just the great thing about Kelsey and what I think makes him one of the – right now he's, I think he's the best tight end in the league uh, with Gronk being out, being retired. It's just because he creates a lot of damage in the secondary, no matter what he's doing, catching passes or just running downfield. And then he can also do his darndest to block someone when he really needs to because he has that speed and he can get downfield. And suddenly he's five yards in front of the guy who caught the ball and he's hitting guys and making them fly around. And next thing you know, you got a touchdown.
3: All right. All right. Well, we, we love our guy here in Baltimore, too, just to just to put his name out there. But this this episode is about the Chiefs. So Mark Andrews is almost 13 yards per target this year. Uh, so he's he's having great years. Caught 16 out of 17 balls. Let's move on here. And. Let's see. Let's, I guess we should talk about the running backs. Um, you know, there is there's no more Kareem Hunt. Tell us about what's going on at running back this year for the Chiefs. So
5: Kareem Hunt the loss of Kareem hunt, it just, it really hurt a lot of people. Uh, it, for obvious reasons, the re the, the reason we had to cut him and then the fact that we'd lost him just was a really, uh, scary thing to chiefs fans and people who just wanted to know what, what are, what are we going to do? So who do we have now? It took us a long time to find a Jamal Charles replacement who was, you know, what you could say is the last great chiefs running back. Uh, great being a subjective term that you could use depending on the year. Um, But Damian Williams really showed up when he was given his chance, and that's the main reason we extended him in the offseason after trying his best to be what Kareem was throughout most of last season. Um, Then you add LaShawn McCoy, and you kind of have an interesting running back combo of You've got Damian Williams who can, you know, be the guy who runs the out and catches the ball and runs all over the place, but can also run up the middle and be quick. And then you have LaShawn McCoy being the more traditional style running back who can kind of just run through people if he needs to, but he can make a quick cut as well. Um, but something that Ravens fans need to real really look at before the game and just kind of keep an eye out on is that they're both questionable this week. Mm-hmm. LaShawn McCoy is, is, has an ankle problem and Damian Williams... Has a knee problem. Um, neither of which um, ended uh, the game last week. Neither one of them pl- finished the full game. Um, so that would leave it to Darwin Thompson and, and uh, Daryl Williams as the other two options. Which even Chiefs fans don't even have any information on those guys. Uh, mm-hmm. We're pretty much in the dark as, as just, we just have preseason stuff. And minimal preseason stuff at that. Um if I had to pick one guy to play, though, it would probably be Lashawn McCoy. Uh, with that extension to Damian Williams, I think in it being a knee thing, I'd expect if we we're going to sit one of them, it'd be him.
3: You're just you're just handicapping who will play, not who you'd prefer to play, which probably oh, would yeah, also no. be McCoy.
5: Uh, no, actually, I prefer Damian Williams. Honestly, um, I think he fits with the with the uh, style of this new uh, this offense that we run right now. I think Lashawn McCoy is is a great Andy Reid running back, but more to the style of Andy Reid in Philadelphia and Andy Reid with um, early on in Kansas City. Uh, Alex Smith's Andy Reid, Andy mm-hmm. Reid era. Um, Patrick Mahomes' offense, you need a guy that can be really quick like Damian Williams can. Uh, so I prefer Damian Williams. I don't have a problem with Shady playing. I, I mean, I'd i be happy either way, but he he only got, like... I say when, before he got out, he only had like eight yards rushing last week.
3: That was Damian Williams. It was Damian Williams. Yeah. McCoy had 11 for 23. Damian Williams, nine carries for eight yards. I'm sorry.
5: I had it flipped. Yes, you are correct. But before, before Damian came out, he, it's a, the running back situation is very frustrating to me as I'm sure you can kind of tell Mm -hmm. just because I'm still upset about Kareem Hunt. Sure. And how that went down. But, I mean, Damian's a great player, and I would—I just—I prefer Damian just because of the, the quick ability to just be quick on the outside and dump the ball off to him if we really need to. And that just doesn't seem like something LeSean's really ready to do in our offense.
3: Okay, well, I mean, he's averaging almost 10 yards a catch, so he's certainly done a lot of that. But, but the, the question I had for you, Damian Williams now has rushed the ball 22 times for 34 yards this year, 1.5 per carry. His long run of the year is only six yards. Is that more a function of Williams, and his decisiveness, ability to get to the hole, anything like that? Or is it more the offensive line?
5: I think a lot of it has to do with the offensive line. We've had a lot of offensive line issues this year. Um, point example, uh, Eric Fisher being out now. He mm-hmm. played one play last week. Um, the, our right side is, is good. It's a good right. Our right side is, is, is one of the better right side offensive lines in football. It's from the middle on over to Eric Fisher, where I've always had issues with it, and mm-hmm. a lot of fans have had issues with it. Eric Fisher was never what we thought he was going to be. he still isn't, and now him being out really puts us in a bind um the offensive line I think tried their very best last week, but it's gonna be more of the same this week where as long- if you pressure that left side, something is gonna happen in your favor just because mm-hmm. of the I don't want to say. Lack of ability, but just less experience uh, I
3: probably cohesiveness issues on the left side as well with these guys are not played together too much
5: exactly and um uh what I'm drawing a blank um I'm sorry, but um left tackle who's playing left tackle now see it's just a uh, just an example that I really don't even know him that well he last time he played. I'm left sorry. Tackle. Cam Irvin, right? Cam Irvin. Yes. Yeah. Cam Irvin. The last time Cam Irvin played left tackle was Patrick Mahomes, first start in Denver week 17 and two mm. seasons ago. Uh, and then he played left tackle last week. And so this will be his first start since then. And that's, he's, he's more of a left guard. And it's just something that I just don't really like him playing left tackle, but he has to, and that's just the the fact of the matter. And, you know, being a former Uh, offensive lineman myself you know didn't really play anywhere big must played high school football but understanding how offensive linemen work it's it's it can be hard to move from guard to tackle Mm -hmm. and i it's especially so probably in the nfl where you're instead of dealing with defensive tackles you're dealing with quick ends and and occasionally the uh the the outside linebacker those guys are fast those I mean,
3: I, along those lines, I, I I just wanted to say that you guys stole Greg Sinat from us this week in terms of a waiver claim. I love that guy in terms of he's an absolute prototype left tackle build, uh, length, size, feet, all of it. And, uh, you know, has the quickness you probably want at that position. He has not yet put it together at the NFL level, played in a very small program at Wagner. But uh, he, he's I'm I. I'm not surprised, but if you have Kim Irvin and Greg Sanat and those are your two choices to start at left tackle, I might choose if you're gonna play Irvin somewhere else anyway, to just disrupt one position, play Sonat, and then maybe you have something on the upside. Now, of course, Sannat just got there a day or two ago, so he's not gonna know the system and he's not gonna know, you know, all of the, the calls. So it's too soon. But I but I would be uh, I thought it was a savvy pickup by the Chiefs. I'm really sad that the Ravens weren't able to get him back on their own practice squad. Actually, I'm very, very sad that they took the chance on letting him go. So I think you, you've got a guy who could potentially be very good. And he's, he's a product of uh, DaCosta's small school sc- scouting, which has been you know, traditionally very, very good. And so he's, he's, uh uh you know, he's really a guy.
5: Yeah. And I'd have to agree with you. Um, I've, I've done a little bit of research on him. I haven't gotten into him deeply. Haven't had really had a chance to, but uh, from what I could tell you're, you're spot on. And I think he's going to be a good addition, uh, especially if the, uh, if Eric Fisher ends up being out a lot longer than we expect.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, terrific. So, so let's go across that offensive line. Cause that's certainly something we want to take some time to talk about. So you mentioned Irvin's at left tackle. Fisher is out. You, we know about Sonat at left tackle. Who's now at left guard.
5: Oh, I need to I, I don't have that written down in front of me. Um give me one second. Sure no, I'm thing. Trying. It is Wiley, perhaps? Wiley at left guard. Uh Ritter at center.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Austin Ritter's at center. And then we have Duvernay uh, Tardiff. Yeah, we got the we got the Canadian Doctor at right <laughs> guard. And then we got Mitchell Mitchell Schwartz at ta- at a right tackle. Okay. So, I mean, Wiley's been doing well. Um, could be better, but there's a lot of things about our offensive line that could be better.
3: Okay. All right. Well, fair enough. Uh, Mitchell Schwartz, one of the best right tackles in the game at this point, I think, is is the general consensus, right?
5: Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, and and Mitchell Schwartz is is just a guy you can lean on, especially. If you're trying to go to that right side, or if you're having to play up against someone like Von Miller,
3: <laughs> now the they, the Chiefs do they run a lot of power to the right side? Are they primarily a right-handed team in
5: terms of how they run their power schemes or pull a guard? Um, they run more to the, they run that more to that right side power. I you, you won't see a lot of pulling guards. Um, when it comes to running the ball, you you will see a lot of running in between the tackles, though. You you'll okay. see a lot of going off of uh the canadian doctor right away right up the middle mm-hmm. you get him because he's pretty he's reliable uh last year when we lost him we had to run a little bit more to the outside and um but when you have a guy when you had a guy like tyree kill and then in this case Michael hardman you can run a lot of plays where you're going to run outside with them and just do a quick pitch of them as they come in motion so you're going to be running off of schwartz a lot
3: mm-hmm.
5: and that's uh it's really why we love him and where he is is just making sure that we can run off of him right away and we 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 always usually can he's always very reliable in that sense.
3: Oh, we were talking a little bit before the show about this, but they occasionally play two tight ends per play. Uh sorry, two two tight ends on a play. So 1.23 tight ends per play, 1.13 running backs per play, which means they use a fullback occasionally. And they may use additionally a tight end as a fullback. I'm not really capturing that with this. But 2.59 wide receivers per play, there's still a fairly heavy uh, 11 personnel team in terms of what they put on the field. Is that
5: what they would typically run out of? Uh, you will see, yeah, a lot of 11 personnel running. Um, you'll occasionally even see a 21 personnel run. It's very rare, but you will see it. Um we do like to use a fullback. Uh, Anthony Sherman is one, you know, uh-huh. one of the great fullbacks in the league right now. So you'll get a lot of a lot of situations where he will be on the field. Um, when it comes to two tight ends, you'll see a lot of twelve personnel. You'll see a lot of now. It used to be. Uh, oh, he's, he's on the Browns now. He uh, played a lot last night um, or Monday night, uh, but you'll see a lot of Blake Bell now out of Oklahoma, okay. former former quarterback turned tight end in his last year at OU. Uh, he's, he's, you know, he's used to those quick style offenses. He's seen it. Uh, he, he's run it. So he, he can, he can, he has a really good job at, at being the blocking tight end to Kelsey's catching tight end. Okay. Um,
3: Kelsey, in terms of, is he split wide more often? Cause that's what the Ravens do with Andrews. Now I'm just wondering.
5: Yeah. Is he's he split still- wide a lot. They move him out wide a lot more now, but he's, he's also, but he's not unfamiliar to having his hand down the line and, and, uh, making sure you can hop off the line and power off.
3: All right. All right, very cool. All right, well, anything else about the offense in terms of maybe scheme, formation, things they like to do that are maybe a little bit unusual that Ravens fans wouldn't know about already?
5: Uh not really. They you got the Ravens and the, the Chiefs do run a lot of similar formations. Um they kind of have that spread style of new NFL offenses. Uh they will go under center. You'll see a lot of pro and pro tight, but they're usually in a spread gun or ace gun. You'll you'll very rarely see Patrick Mahomes back there by himself. Uh, especially this year with the the ankle problems. If, if they're going to make sure everyone goes runs downfield for a pass, they're usually going to have a, a running back there to block at okay. least. Just Let me so. make sure
3: we understand terminology here. And that this is, these, are, these are terms that I, I think I'm familiar with, but spread gun is five wide with only a shotgun quarterback. Ace gun, you don't necessarily mean the pistol. It's one back left or right of a quarterback in the shotgun, right?
5: Yes, but you you will see some of that pistol. There's there's and there they will have the the pistol where I can't remember the terminology of it off the top of my head. I usually have to write it down uh, where you'll have a running back behind Patrick Mahomes and you'll have uh, Sherman on his side and they mm-hmm. will move him to different sides. And then even in some instances, you'll have you very rarely you'll have a Tyreek Hill type wide receiver there uh, on his side as well. And they'll move around and, you know, RPO it and figure out where they're going to go as the play develops. Mm hmm.
3: Very good. Very good. OK, well, if you're ready, we'll move on to the defense a little bit and just yeah, yeah, maybe, of course. maybe talk a little bit about the most common base looks for for the Chiefs and what they most commonly line up with the personnel package. And then any other thing you want to talk about with regard to it?
5: Well, so you're going to see pretty much always a 4-3 base. Very, it's very unlikely that they move out of that now um, since the change to from 3-4. Uh, I'm gonna be very honest, and I'm <laughs> I'm very bad at defensive uh, packaging and everything like that. I'm more of an offensive-minded guy, so uh, you will see a lot of cover four and man when it comes to coverage. Um, mm-hmm. Spagnuolo really likes to run uh, th- cover three or Tampa two when it comes to zone. Uh, that's pretty much. But you, like you have pointed out, we we talked about it earlier. Um, nickel almost all the time this year, and okay. a lot of that comes from the uh the weakness of our our secondary right now uh, a lot of lesser known guys you know you got the Kendall folders and the in the tyron matthews but the other guys are still trying to develop them and prove themselves in this in this secondary
3: okay and and i noticed that the in each game the chiefs had kind of given up a fair amount of rushing yardage And I'm trying to find it here again now, and not having success. But against the Raiders, I noticed that Jacobs really went off with a big game of about eight yards a carry or so. And in the previous game against Jacksonville, Fournette had a decent game. He might have had five yards a carry, or the Jacksonville's team might have had five yards a carry. So that's you know, obviously, neither in neither of those games did either team were they in a position to keep running the ball for a long time because the chiefs got a big lead in both games in the first half, you know, and down 14, 18 points, whatever it was in each of those games, they really couldn't, couldn't maintain a running game. But when they did it, they were fairly effective. Is there, when you look at that, are there, are there reasons for that? the, the, The chiefs have some weakness either at linebacker or on the defensive line in terms of controlling gaps that, that might lead you to that kind of a conclusion.
5: So really, the main issue right now when it comes to our run game is the is the secondary, and I know that sounds odd, but we you know we had the one of the worst secondaries in the league last year, and teams are continuing to try to try our secondary and throw the ball. So you're getting a lot of linebackers in coverage just in case, uh, you, and they're not getting a lot of blitz blitzes, and they're not really trying to push. Uh, the new uh, 4-3 defensive line is really just trying to mesh and figure out how they're going to play together. Mm-hmm. A lot of that a lot of that is where that stems from. Um I will so say So would you expect
3: a lot of four man pass rush come Sunday against the Ravens?
5: Yes, I would. Um you're going to see a, a few blitz packages. Uh you're never going to see any corner blitzes mainly because mm-hmm. we need those guys in the secondary because our secondary is just so it's it's bad right now, and it's it's not good. It's not it's not terrible. It's just bad right now. And um, you're gonna see a lot of uh, Chris Jones trying to make plays. He got his first sack last week. Um, you're gonna you're, and and you're gonna see uh, Emmanuel Ogba and Alex Okafor trying to make plays. But of course, the main the main force in our defensive ends right now is Frank Clark. Frank mm-hmm. Clark has really been showing up and he's been doing his best in this new system. Uh, when it comes to linebackers, Anthony Hitchens is playing really well. Uh, Darren Lee and Damian Wilson are also trying their very hardest to make uh disrupt the run game when they can. If if they're not in trying to cover tight ends or wide receivers over the middle, um, Reggie Ragland is not played at all this season. Mm. Uh, there's some talks that he is, is in the, there's a, There's a chance he's on the move. They're going to they're going to put him He's in the
3: doghouse right now, or is is he in? Is there another problem there that we don't we haven't heard
5: about yet? We there's really it's looking like it's more of a problem we're not sure of. Mm -hmm. There's just but he's he's been inactive the last two weeks, but he hasn't been injured to my knowledge. Yeah. And with this Jalen Ramsey thing going on, uh, there's been talks of him being included in that in a deal for Jalen Ramsey. Which is then was then kind of disputed, saying that the the Jaguars didn't want Reggie Ragland. Uh, I think the the main issue is just finding a place for him in this new style of defense. We know we need him as a middle linebacker, but right now we just not really sure where to put him. And I think he's frustrated, and that's probably where a lot of that inactiveness comes from. Uh, they, but then again, I could be I could be entirely wrong, and it could be injury related as well. That they're just not disclosing.
3: Okay, so Ragland, this is his third year in the league now, and I've, I'm forgetting exactly if he was a first-round pick, second-round pick. Where was he selected when he was originally drafted?
5: Um, I cannot recall either. Okay, that's okay. I'll, oh, I'll, he was second-round, 41st pick from the for the Bills in okay. 16. In 16? Yes, in 16.
3: So he was hurt all of 16 because I'm looking at his overall stats and he only played in 17 and 18. That's interesting. So he's he's an RFA after this year. Yeah. Sorry. A, a free agent after this. year. Yes. UFA. He's a free agent after this year. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. That's I, I had no idea he'd been in the league that long. That's uh, that's very surprising. OK, so so that's not working out, unfortunately. So so how about the other linebackers and, and, and what have they done?
5: Well, uh, you're going to see a lot of good play out of uh, out of Darren Lee and uh, Damian Wilson to the best of their really of their abilities. Um, you have Darren Lee started has only started one game, but he's had and he's only had one ta- solo tackle, but three assists. But Damian Wilson is the one who's really standing out with seven solo tackles, mm-hmm. um, and then Hitchens has nine. So though that Darren Lee's really not the one you're going to see flying off the outside to make a big tackle, you're going to see him kind of staying back a little bit. That's very apparent there. Um, But uh, but Hitchens and Wilson are the, are the main guys you're going to see pressing the running game Uh, Hitchens and uh, Leonard Fournette really got into it during that Jags game, as well as everyone else on those two teams. As as much fighting those two teams had, uh, but uh, Hitchens is the main uh, main run uh, blitzer. He's going to be the one that flies in the middle. He's going to be coming off the outside. And the interesting way that they're doing that line, the linebackers right now is they're they're moving them around a lot, just kind of based on where people are lined up. So while Hitchens is their middle, sometimes you will see him lined up on the outside just because of the way they have their matchup. And that's and that was where a lot of the the um, Fournette things, issues were coming from, they kind of picked up that they were going to run to the outside with Fournette. So they put, they kind of flipped Hitchens and, uh, and Wilson or uh, Hitchens and Lee and Hitchens would come around and, and tackle him and make a big hit.
3: All right. All right. Let's move on to the secondary then. And, you know, the the five guys, I don't know that you went through all the names of Breedland Ward Fuller at corner and the safeties, the honey badger and Thornhill, uh, They played every snap last week that I saw. So it looked like they played exclusively the nickel from what I can tell. And I don't see any other snaps. Make sure I'm looking at the right game here. Yeah, this is the Kansas City-Oakland game. So they had five defensive backs. Well, four defensive backs who played all 62 snaps. Another defensive back who played 46 snaps. And another free safety who played 13. So it sounds like... They basically split. They had a nickel pretty much every play for, for the whole game, maybe a few a few uh, base defense snaps in that in that time. So tell us a little bit about in terms of quality of play, what kind of plays these guys have made for for some of the big guys from between uh, Breeland and Ward in particular.
5: So if I'm going to have to pick someone between Breeland and Ward, uh, who's been standing out the most, it would have to be Rashawn Breeland. Breeland's really upped his game these last two weeks. Um, he's been he's making a lot of key uh, deflections when he can. Uh, Ward has just kind of been there. He can he can show up when he's really needed, but it's more often than not that Breeland is the the main guy that is there to disrupt things. They both have interceptions. They both were mm-hmm. the two that had. They have the uh, main two. The only two interceptions out of the secondary, other than. Frank Clark, who right. has the, had that against the Jags. But um Breeland's just kind of been the guy where he's kind of hanging out over the middle. He's going to be there, and if you, you try to test him, he's going to at least try his best to get a hand in someone's face.
3: Okay. All right. Very interesting. It does look like Treverius Ward is getting more of the targets this year. There's definitely a lot more uh, attempt to throw at him. Of the Chiefs' receivers, and I don't know if that means he's covering a number one guy typically, or maybe he's, uh, you know, do they play a strict left corner, right corner, where they don't typically follow receivers, and you have this, the corners are on one side of the field the time, or do they typically trail with a with they, a number one corner? They
5: typically trail. You'll see most more often than not, you're going to see Kendall Fuller following your top the top receiver. Okay. So when it comes to to Ward, it's it's more of it's a weakest link type of thing. The teams realize that he, out of those three uh, corners, he's the the guy that you're going to test a lot, and the more you test him, the most more likely he is to break.
3: Okay. Very good. Very good. Okay. And how about the safeties? The honey badger has he been everything they thought? Obviously, you guys paid a lot of money, uh, outbid the Ravens who supposedly wanted him.
5: Uh, to be honest, no. He uh hasn't really been what he we expected. But that's not entirely his fault. He hasn't had a lot of opportunities to. Teams are kind of avoiding him as much as they can. And if they see Juan Thornhill there, they're going to go there instead of trying to test the Honey Badger. Um, He did have a really bad pass interference call early on in the the Raiders game that helped set up that touchdown. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's really the only issues we've had with him. The the main problem has just been that teams are just avoiding him at all costs, and he's having to do his best to to be there when he's on the opposite side of the field, or he's just away from the play.
3: Okay, I mean that's that's I look at that as for a safety, a very good thing. If they're not throwing at him, then he's doing his job. Uh, he he would have probably been the free safety for the Ravens after Weddle had left, but before they signed Earl Thomas. And uh and I think he's always really played better in his career when he's been a slot corner. So that's at Arizona he was he was terrific in that role. But uh but I think he wanted another I think he wanted a career change himself and to move to free safety and maybe that's where I don't know if they've been using him close to the line of scrimmage and you know, moving him up and back kinda at will to get in the player, whether he plays deep most of the time.
5: It's it's been very rare that you will see him up close to the line of scrimmage. They kinda they're keeping him back to to limit deep plays and kind of scare offenses from having to throw there.
3: Makes a lot of sense. That's definitely the way that, uh, that Thomas is used here in Baltimore now. All right. Uh, what else do we need to talk about in terms of the defense? Anything in terms of offensive or defensive game plan that you would maybe expect going in against a team like the Ravens that, that brings – Uh, You know, certainly a running game that has not been the focus, but a lot of offensive weapons, I think, that that are diverse now that they're more willing to either run or pass. Uh, Anything maybe in terms of attacking the Ravens defense, which has definitely shown some weaknesses this year. Uh, Game plan wise, what do you expect from the Chiefs?
5: Well, I'm going to start with defense since we've been talking about it here most recently. um, I think the Chiefs best option and I think what they'll try to do. Is to make sure you shut down the Ravens' running game and try to contain Lamar Jackson as much as you can. Um, like we all know that the Chief secondary is not the best in the league, and when you have a you have a Mark Andrews or a Hollywood Brown, those one of those guys is going to get through, and one of it's going to happen. It's we're going to get torched in more than one situation. So as as long as we can make sure to stop the run. I feel a little bit better and I think the coaching staff in Kansas City will feel a little bit better about those secondary issues. As as long as we make sure that you know Ingram does not run all over us or Lamar Jackson doesn't run all over us. Okay, every now and then having a deep play happen through the passing game, that's okay. As long as we make sure that you do not run through us. You can th- right. you can go over us, but don't run through us. Yeah, uh, when be- it comes to offense though. I think you're just going to see a lot of the same things you are, You guys are going to do to us. It's just you're going to want to have a lot of big plays in the passing game, especially with the running back situation being a little iffy. Um, that's not surprising with the skill set of Ty- of uh, Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. So he's he can throw the ball far and he's going to do it. He can throw the ball short and he's going to do it. He can fit it in tight windows and he's going to do it. Um, this week, I think they're going to try to go to uh, Robinson a lot more as the same that they did last week, just to draw um, the secondary off of Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins didn't have you know as big of a week as he did the first week because everyone saw that first week and said, so like, okay, now we have to cover Sammy. And okay, now we have to cover. Demarcus Robinson so you might also even see a lot of McCole Hardman getting in there you know on screens doing a lot of what Tyreek would do not to the capacity of Tyreek just to to get Sammy Watkins open and and get him there in space and then also open up the the secondary to where you have a situation where Travis Kelsey's one-on-one with someone who has no business really guarding him (laughs) (laughs) to say put it put it that way Uh, He's going to try to disrupt it like he usually does. And that'll also be used to get Sammy Watkins open, who is are now our top top choice when it comes to wide receivers.
3: Yeah, it's 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 an interesting game because both these teams have just too many weapons to cover everything. And and I, I definitely would agree. It's a it's a challenge looking across in terms of the the chiefs receivers to figure out how you line up. I personally think you have to try your best to put one man and one safety probably lined up in man coverage against Kelsey and hope for the best. And, and you know, it's it's Kelsey's caught 10 of 17 balls this year. They're doing something right. I don't know whether it's double coverage because I haven't really looked at the tape. I don't know whether they're covering him effectively with a man. But uh, the one guy on the team, and, and he's best probably at this of all the things he does, is Jefferson in terms of covering a man, uh, covering a tight end in man coverage. He really, that was something he did well at Arizona before he even came to Baltimore. He's been rarely used in that role here. But uh, it seems like a natural kind of a fit for uh, for this kind of situation, because you have to figure out how do you economize on resources versus at least one of these receivers to try and otherwise play some sort of meaningful defense against the rest of that team? Whether it's you want to you want to bake into a spy on Mahomes or Jackson, for that matter, or you want to you want to have some opportunity to double cover receivers on the outside and pick a side of the field, you know, whatever it's going to be.
5: No, oh, yeah, and I and I completely agree with you. In that it, you pretty much hit the nail on the head, especially when it comes to the spy. Even if it's you know, Lamar Jackson or, or uh, Patrick Mahomes, you have to you, you're going to have to do it on either side of the, either team this week to help limit the possibility of big plays.
3: All right, how about we do this? We'll pick. I don't like to do scores with with people we have on the show, but how about you pick one player who you think matches up particularly well against the Ravens, and maybe I'll pick one Raven. I think. Picks, matches up particularly well Against the Chiefs
5: Well, I think my one player Will have to be um, Travis Kelsey I think Travis Kelsey is Going to be a big asset For the Chiefs this season Or not this season, this week um, When we're still trying to figure out Who our top guys are to go to When it comes to the passing game In the wide receiver core Um, I mean, it's obvious that you have uh, Sammy Watkins as the one wide receiver, but having tra- uh, tra- Travis Kelsey there to cause a lot of disruptions, uh, making sure he gets open, even breaking that double coverage to make big plays is going to be really important. Uh, the most, one of the, his most memorable catch this season was last week in uh, Oakland where he was double covered going into the end zone. He disrupted it enough that he caught the ball and, and and made it and score and got a touchdown through two guys. So mm-hmm. that's that's what you're gonna want to make sure to <clears throat> excuse me. That's what you're gonna want to make sure to continue to do and even get more of this week, as you're not going to also have the running game to rely on. You're gonna have to rely on your wide receivers and then Travis Kelsey is kind of his own little. He's not part of the receivers this receiving core this week. He's part of the himself. He's you have to get the Travis Kelsey position figured out.
3: Mm hmm. That's a, a very realistic. I mean, obviously, it's the first the first player you game plan when you face the Chiefs. I mean, my one guy is going to be Marquise Brown. And it's not necessarily I think Marquise Brown is going to go off on the Chiefs for a big game this week like he has. I think the Chiefs probably, if anything, will be forced to put additional defensive assets on him, maybe put the safety on that side of the field or shade that way. So that, uh, you know, they have that over the top coverage and they're trying to not get beaten by big plays there. And then I think that'll open up some some options for other Ravens receivers in this one, whether it's it's Boykin, Andrews, other players who who also can could do some damage. But so far, Marquise Brown has been almost 13 yards a target on the year, and he's certainly been one of the exciting stories at the beginning of the NFL. So anyway. Look forward to a great game. This is just a fantastic discussion. I appreciate going through this with you. Uh, we'll, we're going to do a little bit of mailbag here. I hope we have a couple things about the about the Chiefs uh, and, and people wanting to learn about that. And uh, what do we got, Josh?
4: All right. Uh, big news for the Chiefs today is Eric Fisher going out in this core muscle surgery. Um, clearly, the Ravens' defense plays one where they're going to put some pressure on the homes. And how much does losing Eric Fisher Hurt.
5: I have to say it does hurt a lot. Um, I think I, I just kind of said earlier, uh, Cam Irving, he does not have a lot of experience at that left left tackle position. Um, that being said, he did his best last week. Um he so he's had the experience of it. He's gotten a full week of practicing with that squad in that position. I mean, he got some time practicing last week in that position in preparation of Eric Fisher not playing. So the left side is going to is going to be a real iffy situation for us and and it's going to be something that the ravens try their very best to disrupt and get through and make sure that they are all over Mahomes' blind side as much as they can uh but overall as i think about it more as cam irving might not be as experienced i think he, it's it's not going to be as bad as i probably made it out to be earlier on um but at the same time, losing someone, even though he's not as as good as most people realize, but he he's a, comes up in a lot of clutch spots. Losing Eric Fisher is going to hurt for the for this game and going forward.
4: All right, and then uh, one more question for you from the mailbag is about Arrowhead and what makes Arrowhead such a tough stadium. We hear all the time about the noise in Arrowhead is there and and all that and the announcers you know everyone likes to hype up it's hard to come to Kansas City and win what makes it (laughs) such a tough place
5: oh I love I love this question um I love Arrowhead so when it comes to Arrowhead it's just the fact that our fan base is just so ravenous when it comes to our team uh you know we we take a lot of pride in that loudest stadium uh, in the world world record we hold and every week we try to break it so I think that's what a lot of that, that noise issue comes from. Uh, the fact that we're good, <laughs> to say the least, is, uh, is a huge aspect of what it is now. Uh, going into Arrowhead is, is just very intimidating because they always like to bring back former greats to hit the drum. We have, a, we have a big drum we love to hit on, and we get everybody hyped up. Uh, they've moved that up into the upper deck now instead of on the field. So people will literally be sitting there next to it as they're hitting it. It just they just everyone just goes crazy. That's really the best way to explain it. I really don't know how to explain why that is other than the fact that we just love the team. Uh, for the Ravens this week, it's the home opener of the 60th season. So people are just going to be even going more insane. I've I've seen on Twitter this week that they're painting the field to look like the original stadium the Chiefs and old Municipal Stadiums field. That's just a fun fact, I guess. But that's just something people are going to lose their minds about even more when they step into the stadium. So, after last season, especially, people are just going to go nuts, and it's going to be really hard for players to hear what's going on because we're going to, Chiefs are going to be, fans are going to be screaming their heads off if it's if they're punting the ball. You just, it doesn't really matter.
3: Yeah, the, the, that municipal stadium field has an unbelievable history to it in the pre arrowhead days. Okay, so Arrowhead came around or not, 1971, right? Sound Seventy-one right? or
5: seventy-two.
3: Okay, so before that, when they played at Municipal Stadium, the Royals played there also, and before that, the Kansas City A's played there. And some of the things Charlie Finley did to move the fences around in that place and make them like Yankee Stadium—all that hilarity that went on in the in the in the '60s there—just some very funny, funny stuff. So anyway, I, I I encourage anyone to to research that about one time Charlie Finley actually had had forced the public address announcer to announce that ball would have been a home run in Yankee stadium. Every time a ball was hit where they had an imaginary white line that they would not allow him to change the dimensions to be exactly that too. And the Minnesota twins hit five home runs in an inning and they announced it all five times. Of course, that ball would have been a home run in Yankee stadium. And, (laughs) and, the practice was discontinued the next day, as, I, as the story is told by Bill James. So anyway, a great one. From my true trips to Arrowhead, I'll say this. I went in 2006 and in 2010 for the playoff game as well. The fans there are very nice. They're right up there with the Nashville fans in terms of being really just very sweet people to opposing teams. It's not it's not a, a conflict you're going into like you would if you're going to Cleveland or, or you're going to Oakland and places like that, which are which are, you know, are not nice places to be an opposing fan, frankly.
5: Oh, yeah. No, you're you're exactly correct. I as I, I was at the AFC championship game last year. So, you know, we lost and everyone's just, you know, got their hearts ripped out. And then of course there's some uh, intoxicated Patriots fans there trying to rub it in everyone's face, and mm-hmm. you know, shocker as that may be.
3: Yes. <laughs> you
5: know, the classy New England fans there are apparently weren't there.
3: Massholes. Uh,
5: but um so basically what there'd be a guy, you know, oh yeah, I'm going to another Super Bowl, and you know, the Chiefs fans are just hanging their heads a little bit, and then in your case you would hear a well, I hope at least you guys win it. It's just like That's just like the most Kansas City, Midwestern way of of ex- accepting a loss. You're like, we're mad inside, but we're going to internalize it and hope the team that beat us wins the championship so we can say that.
3: There you go. Yeah, yeah great, great fans. It, it, uh, I, nice, I, one of the nicest places to visit.
4: I, I like that you're saying that the fans will be excited because of the way the field is painted. Because we just went through that in Baltimore where fans were just super excited that they painted the shield in the, in the at the 50-yard line after years of not having it. And it seems like something really silly, but fans really got hyped up about it.
5: Oh, yeah. You know, stadium aesthetics uh, in 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 football anymore are just as important to what uniform you're wearing. I mean, you had people freaking out about the Jets wearing black on Monday mm-hmm. night. You know, for us, we have a traditional uniform, so we don't get anything like that. So it's for us. It's oh, we have a different field this week. That's right. awesome. And mm-hmm. people just love to see it. And it's just it's, it's the, one of the great things about, you know, celebrating our 60th anniversary. All
4: right. I want to can cl- uh, I want to close out the mailbag with a question from Chip, who commented over on filmstudyravens.com, who is wondering uh, your opinion on Greg Roman this year being up in the booth and how that's affecting things.
3: You know, I don't know how much it really affects things. Obviously, it's a better sight line for Roman. It adds a relay element to the calls. Uh, Roman is obviously very comfortable in terms of the installation of this offense, and he, of course, wasn't the offensive coordinator last year. So while he was the run game coordinator and a guy who did have a big input into the game plan, he wasn't the guy calling the plays. That was still Morningwig last year, and he did it from the field. So I think I think the the aspect ratio is probably good. Uh, for urban, he's obviously sorry for Roman, I always make that mistake, but for roman he's he's got a position that he's more comfortable with. I think that's the most important thing. It may also be, and I've always noticed this when whenever they do any kind of sound from inside a defensive or offensive play calling area that there's a group of people around him who obviously are communicating various things to him at the time. The one example I remember seeing, this was the Jets game from 2004, which is the first uh, installation of what would later become sound FX. And the the guys who were up there with Nolan were just kissing his butt constantly the whole game. It was just a a bunch of sycophants. So I wonder if if Roman, though, I'm assuming that's not the case, but for communication with his other
4: assistants, it might make things easier to have them all in the booth there. Not to mention computers and graphs and all that stuff. You know,
3: they're not allowed to do that. As Even I in the booth? It. Yeah, I, they, they're, okay. they're not allowed to have computers on the headset loop, was my understanding. Now, that may have changed, but I got that from Matt Weiss a few years back. and In
4: 2011, that was true. Gotcha. I know that uh, I imagine it's advancing where soon they'll allow it. I was shocked yeah. to see there's now iPads mounted inside the dugout at Camden Yards for some games. Huh. Where they were watching a film and they had left-hand batters, right-hand batters, two separate iPads mounted so they could watch them in between innings. So, all right, remember, uh, get in your questions after this game this weekend using the hashtag FilmStudyMailbag on Twitter or commenting over at FilmStudyRavens.com. Uh, Will, thank you for joining us today. You've informed me an awful lot about the Chiefs, I'm sure our listeners as well, as we prepare. Again, your Twitter handle is at Big 12 Band. Will. Anything else you want to plug or anything before we get out of here?
5: Uh, no,pe. Uh, I'm I'm good on uh, plugs. Uh, just uh, thank you, uh, thank you guys a lot for having me on. It was it's been a blast.
4: Yeah, great
3: having you, Will. Uh, love to have you again the next time they play the Chiefs, and we'll uh, we'll talk about that when it, when it happens. Uh, always have appreciated these know your foe episodes. Hope people will give these a chance in the future. Go out to filmstudyravens.com and you'll see some past ones if you like. More fun, obviously, to see the ones coming up that 's why we do them now during the week, but there's plenty of other content out there as well the defensive and offensive line articles, the uh, uh, you know some new charting that we're adding and one one thing I want to get people to do is look at an old video I did that has an explanation of the Ravens defensive packages and give that a try as well so uh, please give us a give us a shot on the site and if you leave comments there they 'll certainly make it to the mailbag if you leave them on Twitter uh, with the hashtag film study mailbag uh id then you'll get them that way too
4: all right guys uh well uh, we've got what three four days until we get to see this matchup so a nice time to just kind of sit back and prepare we've broken it down now we get to see what happens on the field on sunday so enjoy the rest of your week